Thank you for joining us for the Life Point Podcast. We believe what you're about to listen to will help you experience life change. So let's jump into this week's message. Well, good morning. Before I jump into the message, it's going to be a good one this morning. I uh, want to just uh, do a couple of things. And first of all, I want to recognize some guests that are with us. If you are a veteran, would you stand up? Thank you all so much. Thank you for your service. Thank you for um, not only being uh, faithful to serve, but just being faithful to God as well. And so uh, yesterday was Veterans Day, and I just wanted to stop before I started and just say thank you and recognize you all. And um, we appreciate your commitment and what you've given for our freedom. I also wanted to recognize real quick, you saw it in the video, but this Wednesday night is our ladies' vibe night. It's the last... Apparently, you're excited. <laughs> Y'all don't get out much, do you? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. So it's, it's the last vibe night of the year, so make sure you come out on Wednesday. And also, you saw this in the church news, but next Sunday, we're actually going to have uh, a baptism. And I needed to say this because we've been asked several times, it's not in the river. You know, we built a baptism. We, had a, we just had a, a massive baptism a couple months ago, but we're not putting you in the river. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me. I, I think you were holding out. But we did have some people who could not get baptized on that day for just a couple reasons. So next Sunday, we're going to have baptism. It'll be warm water and, and all of that. So, But get signed up this weekend. If you don't know, like, why should I be baptized? Well, the Bible is very clear that baptism is a seal of your salvation. It's a public declaration of what Jesus has done on the inside. And so maybe you've never been baptized, or maybe you're baptized when you're little or before you knew what that, your commitment to Christ meant, and you say, you know what, I just want to make sure I'm following what Jesus... I mean, Jesus was baptized. If Jesus should be baptized, guess who else should be baptized? Us. So if you're a Christ follower, you've never been baptized, or you feel like you should be baptized, we want to encourage you, get signed up. You can, you can do that on the way out today at the iPads, and, um, and uh, we'd love to baptize you, not in the river next week. We will save that for warmer weather, so everybody can breathe that sigh of relief. <laughs> I want you to listen to, actually, let's, let's make a confession first. How about this? Um, I, declare, I declare, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. I am rescued, redeemed, restored, forgiven, and I'm free. Amen. That's what scripture says about you. I have this little note in my notebook up here, and it kind of fell out this morning, and I thought, I need to say that. I just keep it as a reminder, but listen to this statement. Um, God is best known by revelation, not explanation. What that means is we have no need to try to explain God. He's above that, but we can reveal his goodness. We can reveal his greatness. We can bring revelation. And how many know revelation changes everything? You know what revelation is? The Bible says that there was something, it was always there, but it was behind a curtain, and the curtain opened, 
and you had an, a wow moment. That's what revelation is. And so I believe every time we open the Bible in this church, we need a wow moment and we need some revelation. And so let's get some of that this morning because it will change everything. It could change your, your physical status. It could change your emotional status. It could change your financial status. It could change your, your mental status. And it could change your spiritual status. Somebody say, that's good right there. I want you to listen to these message titles. I'm going to read a few of them for you. Um, Reborn. The grace of God changed my life. Grace gone wild. Amazing grace. Grace, faith, and freedom. The grace factor. The verdict. Those are sermon series titles that we have taught on over the years on the subject of grace. And they have been some of our most popular. We've gotten the most uh, positive feedback on, on those titles and on those topics. And we just came out of a series on the blessing of God. And we're going to step into a series on the grace of God. And here's our new series title, The Grip of Grace. The Grip of Grace. And uh, my wife's excited. Thank you, honey. They don't want to get excited. Let's just go have lunch. We can talk about ourselves. Um, I, I do believe that grace is one of the assignments on our church to really teach on. Uh, I, I'm, I'm blown away, even frustrated, to be honest with you. At times I hear, um, I've been at other churches or heard other sermons or other ministries and heard the total opposite of grace. And I want you to know if we're preaching that way, we're missing the real picture. Um, and so we're, we're, we're going to get some revelation on it over the next three weeks. I want to tell you what will keep you in the grip of grace. And you say, well, what, what do you mean by grace? Here's what grace is. Grace is the undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor of God. Say, so what's the favor of God? It's the goodness of God. It's a manifestation of the goodness of God. And in my life, in your life, it is undeserved. It is unearnable. And it's unmerited. It's just, good, it's just a good God being good to you. Even though you don't deserve it and you can't repay him for it. So what it is, it's a manifestation of the goodness of God that you didn't deserve and you can't repay him for it. Uh, in actual text, it means this. A, it, it meant a superior that had all the resources that they would ever want taking a particular liking to an inferior and blessing them with those resources and opportunities, knowing that they could never pay them back for it. That's what the goodness and, and the grace of God is. And so I want to uh, start in Galatians chapter 2. And anytime in the Bible you see the word grace, you could just substitute it for the phrase favor of God. It's the same thing. It, it literally means the same thing. Um, matter of fact, some translations you'll see in the parentheses, every time it says grace, it'll say favor of God. So the grace of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God, they're all interchangeable. This is Galatians chapter 2. This is the Amplified Classic. And so it has a little bit of amplification in some parentheses. And it reads this way. Therefore, I don't treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance. And if I do that, look what it says, you defeat its very purpose. 
So I don't set aside, I don't invalidate, and I don't frustrate, and I don't nullify the grace or the unmerited favor of God. And then the scripture ends this way, for if justification or righteousness or acquittal from guilt came by observing the law, then Christ died groundlessly and of no purpose, and his death was in vain. So we see from this scripture, apparently the goodness of God or the favor of God or the grace of God can be frustrated. It can be invalidated. Um, according to the scripture, it can be nullified. It can be set aside. So you're telling me, Scripture says, I could set aside the goodness of God. Scripture says, we could nullify grace. Well, how many know we don't want to do that? We want to stay in the grip of grace. A, a, a lot of people will say things like, you know, we can cheapen grace. And I want you to know that that's absolutely true. Not quite the way you think it would be done. But here's how we nullify grace. By making it minor. Making it less important. Let me put it this way. Grace was the only way you got born again. It's the only way you walk by faith. Every good thing from God is a gift of grace only received by faith. And the same way you came to Jesus, the Bible said you walk in it. It was a grace thing. It remains a grace thing. Grace saved you. Grace sustained you. Amen? Amen. So over the next few weeks, I want to talk about what keeps you in the grip of grace. Three things keep you in the grip of grace. So we'll do one each week. So three things that keep you in the grip of grace. And so here's our title this morning. The first thing that keeps you in the grip of grace. Here's my title. God's greatness keeps you in his grip. God's greatness keeps you in his grip. Now, this is a church, so I, I would uh, appreciate some amens, go white boy, something this morning, all right? Uh, I know you're being studious and you're listening, but this is, this is a topic I don't want to just teach to you this morning. I want to preach it a little bit to you this morning. So can we, um, uh, we are a spirit-filled, charismatic crowd, okay? We're a faith-filled crowd, so it's okay to act that way. So you need to nullify your spirit and your soul and your mouth and your brain for a few moments, right? Everybody say, I'm ready for this. Let's just, say, let's just say this. I declare I, declare, I am a receiver, I am a receiver of, the grace of, God. of the grace of God. I'm ready, I'm ready for, some for some extra cherry on the top, on the top. Revelation, revelation of life-changing grace, grace up on this place this morning. Place. All right. Okay. All right. I'm just trying to stir you up. So when I talk about the greatness of God, what could keep you in the grip of God? What could keep you in the grip? Anyone glad that God's kept you in his grip? But I just want you to know that it's his greatness that keeps you there. It's not real easy to get out of the grip of God's grace. So when I talk about the greatness of God keeping you in the grip of grace, I'm talking about his saving grace. His saving grace. Anyone glad for the saving grace? of God. Can we just read, I'm going to read you a few more scriptures than normal and explain them and I'm going to make some points. This is in the book of Ephesians and Paul was writing and Paul said this about you and I. He said, once you were dead. And then he explains it because of your disobedience and your many sins. Point at someone and say, he's talking about you. What that means is there was a time you were spiritually dead because you were a really good sinner. Some of you were professional sinners. 
People say don't preach grace because you give them a license to sin. Y'all sin pretty good without a license, right? We don't need a license to sin. All right, verse 2. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. You obeyed the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit that's in the work of hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3. All of us used to live like that. I like the, word, the phrase used to. You may not be where you want to be yet, but you, thank God you're not where you were. And so it says you used to live that way. You followed the passionate desires and the inclinations of your sinful nature. By your own very nature, you were subject to God's anger just like everybody else. Can I just stop here? This isn't a point, but I wanted to say this. Um, according to this scripture, um, you were born sinful. You and I were born sinful. We were born with a sinful nature. We were born with an inclination to sin. You were, you were just born that way. Okay, let's look at Psalm. This is chapter 51. It says this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, please blot out my what? Transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is, this is uh, David writing here, and he says... I know all my transgressions and my sin is always what? In front of me. It's always before me. Against you and against you only have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. So you, you, are, you are right in your verdict and you're justified when you judge. Surely, look what it says. I was sinful what? At birth. I was sinful from the time that I was what? Conceived. Well, that's not good news, is it? You, you came out that way. You, you, you were born that way. You were, you, you were born sinful. The Bible uses some words. It uses the word sin. It uses the word transgression. It uses the word iniquity. Um, the, the word iniquity is probably not a word that you use a lot, but it, it just means there has always been a tendency in your heart to sin certain ways. And so the word sin or transgression means the follow-through of those inclinations. The Bible actually says this, that iniquity will visit to three to four generations. That means that struggle in your heart is probably passed down to you, and it's going to be passed down three to four generations. Everybody say, that's not so good news either. But the Bible says mercy goes a thousand generations. The compassion of God goes a thousand generations. The goodness of God outweighs the transgression, it outweighs the iniquity that's in our life. Um, but the Bible says this, from, because of the sin of Adam, the failure of Adam, we were just born sinful. We were born with an inclination to sin. It was in our nature. That's why we have a corrupt heart. That's why we have evil thoughts. That's why we ha have uh, condemning actions. And it, it, and it makes us the object of God's judgment. That's what scripture says. And guess what? You, you were born you were born sinful. You were born with transgression. Uh, iniquity was on your heart. I know that's not real good news, but you were, you were born sinful. Now that you're depressed, let's read on in Ephesians <laughs> chapter 2. Um, but God. I love that. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved you so much. Even though you were dead because of those sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. 
And look at this in the, in the parentheses. It's only by God's grace you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead right with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. I was talking with someone the other day, and, and, and they were telling me uh, uh, about uh, this ministry they were involved in, and he was excited because they were just seeing people's lives changed and, and saved. And he was talking about the real change is where they at X amount of years down the road. And I said to him, I said, well, here's the deal. I said, because it doesn't stop at the cross. The cross is important. But if we just stop at, the, stop at the cross, we miss the rest. Because he said he, he went to the cross, he went to the grave, he came out of the grave, and he's seated at the throne. And he says, we're seated with him. So your, 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 point, your point of entry was the cross, but you're seated at the throne. There's a different way to live just living at the cross versus living at the throne. That's a different level of victory. That's a, diff that's a different level of breakthrough. That's a different level of... The, we're, we're grateful for the cross. We are forever indebted to the cross. But listen to me. You don't live at the cross. You live at the throne. We just read it. He, he elevated you with himself to live at the throne symbolically. So here's the good. The bad news is you were born sinful, but the good news is you were reborn righteous. You were reborn righteous. Say, I'm reborn. What that meant was the first time you were born nasty, now you were born what? Supernatural. You were born sinful, now you were born supernatural. Amen. That's some good news. The Bible says that, that through Jesus, if you're in Christ, you've been made righteous and alive to God. We, we made that declaration a few moments ago, and you ought to quote that every day. It says, I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to Christ. I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to Christ. I'm dead. If you blow it, say, I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to Christ. If you miss it, I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to Christ. See, when you got born again, you were forgiven, and you were made righteous. God gave you the righteousness of Jesus. The Bible said your righteousness was, it was like filthy rags. But he gave you the righteousness of Jesus. So the righteousness of Jesus that is on you, you're not going to get any more righteous. Because you have his righteousness. Well, let's say it out loud. I declare. I declare. I'm, righteous, I'm righteous. And I believe I'm righteous. Because God said. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see your failure. He sees the righteousness of God. Bible said that's a free gift. It's the gift of grace. Now, if you came up in a religious setting, your brain's going right now. Religion was man's made man's idea to get the favor of God. That's all religion is. When it's not something you can gain by your merit, it's a gift from Jesus. And your walk going forward isn't about how good you are. It's about obedience. You've already been made good by the grace of God. It's about obedience. We're always like, can you do this? Can I do it? You just, your goal ought to be obedience. 
Amen? Yeah. All right, let's, let's read you another scripture. Let's go to Romans, then I'll make some points. This is Romans. This is chapter 5, and I'm going to read you about six verses here. But the gift isn't like the trespass. The trespass was the sin. The gift is grace. For if many died by the trespass of one man, which was Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus, overflow to many? What that's saying is, hey, uh, death reigned because of sin. It was a big deal. But we reign by grace. It's a bigger deal. Verse 16, um, nor can the gift of God be compared to the result of one man's sin. It's uncomparable. Grace outweighs the sin. Now, can we just stop there for a moment? And just, can we just, in our minds, just review and notice the impact of sin in the world? Can we just, in our mind for a moment, meditate on the impact of sin in your life? Can we just, just roll it around up here for a moment and just see all your shortcomings, all your failures, and your tendency to err sometimes? How many know that's a big deal? But according to this scripture, the grace of God and the gift of God and the righteousness of God is actually a bigger deal. It's a bigger deal that you're not who you used to be. It's a bigger deal that he's in your life. The judgment followed one sin and it brought with the result of what, uh, and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and it brought justification. Big word, it means just like you never sinned before. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus? Adam's failure opened the door for us to be sinful in our nature, but Christ's work opened the door for us to become righteous. It's a gift of grace. You are much more righteous than you ever were sinful. Some of you are pretty sinful. So. <laughs> Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. Verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, many are made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass would increase. But look at this. Where sin increased, grace increased more. So that just as sin reigned in death, also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I tell you what really the Greek, how that's written? It means this, where, where if sin was a river, and sin can be a powerful river, but wherever sin was, righteousness and the gift of grace floods the banks. Wherever there was sin, there was that much more grace. Wherever there was your failure, there was that much more forgiveness. Wherever there was your uh, mistake, there was that much more mercy. Are y'all getting that? You can't out the grace of God. You can't be bad enough that you can escape the clutches of the grace of God. Did we all just read that? Are y'all trekking with me? You were born sinful because one man, Adam, Adam and Eve, allowed sin, and so it was passed down to you. 
not just the sin, but the, the iniquity, the inclination in your, in your hearts to sin a certain way. Sin, sin, but we all have different struggles within sin. So the impact of that sin was dramatic, it was powerful, it was long-lasting. But the work of Jesus on the cross surpassed the work of the enemy, surpassed the failure of Adam. I, I, I want to read um, verse 20 to you again. The law was brought in so that the trespass would increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. All the more. What, what, what keeps you in the grip of grace? The greatness of God. I'm talking about the saving grace of God. And when Jesus went to the cross, went to the grave, came out of the grave, ascended to the throne, when, when he did that, that's why the scripture said, where's the sting of death? Where's the power of the grave? He overcame all of that. And he sat down at the throne because you sit down when you're done. Yesterday, I did some yard work, and when I was done, I sat down for a long time. <laughs> then I watched a little bit of a football game, had to repent, got back up. Actually, I think Oklahoma might have just scored again, by the way. Um, But the goodness and the grace of God, the Bible said don't nullify it. Don't invalidate it. And what that means is you've got to get a revelation of how big, how good his saving grace is. You might feel like it, but you're not a special case sinner that's too big for the grace of God. You weren't too bad. You weren't too evil. You weren't too much of a failure. You aren't too big of a failure. You, you aren't too, because of the greatness of God. He's so much greater than how bad you thought you were. He, he's greater. He's greater than any sin you committed, any sin that was in your heart, any sin that you thought about, any sin that you played with, any sin that was an addiction, any sin that handicapped you and your family and your family's family before you. Or your family after you. Grace is greater than that. It's the saving grace of Jesus. So are y'all pumped? Because I've heard people preach. Well, you got this sin. Don't think you can go to heaven. That's so unbiblical. So unbiblical. He's got you in his grasp. Now, do we want to sin? No. I've heard people say, well, if you sin this, you won't go to heaven. That's not true. Heaven's a free gift. When you become a believer, your goal is just obedience. It's not, well, I've got to try to get to heaven. That was a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what should my goal be? Obedience. Yeah. It should be obedience. That's your goal. Submit, obedience. But you're telling me That he's so great and his grace is, or his grace isn't great enough that you could get out of his grasp. No, his saving grace will keep you in his grasp. When you nullify it, when you invalidate it, 
when you're frustrated is when you stop relying on it. When you nullify it is when you think of it as minor and not major. You frustrate it when you think, no matter what your thoughts are, that what you are, what you did was bigger than his goodness. God's great, y'all. So great, he'll keep you in his grasp. Some of you were a mess up. Some of you messed up since you came to Jesus. But, hey, you're sitting here today. You thought you were done how many times? But you're sitting here today or you're watching today or you're going to watch sometime. That means you might squirm, but he's going to keep you in his grasp. And by the way, God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. Well, Pastor, you just read about judgment. Yeah, you you know what God did at judgment? He put all the wrath because where there's sin, he's a holy God. It must be judged. He already judged it on Jesus. Did you hear that? He poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross. That's why Jesus said, God, why did you turn your back on me? God won't ever turn his back on you. You know why? He already turned his back on Jesus on the cross. He judged your sin on Jesus. That was the weight of the world put on his shoulders. That's why Jesus went to the cross. When he sees you, he sees the blood of Jesus. He sees you through the eyes of grace. You ought to be a lot happier than you look this morning. That's why I walk up here every week and say, isn't God good? Not only is God good, he is great. Here's why. Because we have stumbled even since we came to Jesus. Have we not stumbled? We have erred. We have taken some steps back. We have thought, what is wrong with me? And all along, you're still here. You're still in his grip. That's the saving grace of Jesus. You've squirmed some, you're not getting loose because he's a great God. You ought to be happy about that. Here's the deal. When you get a revelation of that, I'm telling you what, you'll understand that you didn't deserve grace, but because of grace, you deserve the goodness of God's. I'm telling you, you'll understand that you'll understand scripture more that he wants you blessed. Why? Because of grace. He wants you healed. Why? Because the power of grace. He, he wants you delivered. Why? Because the power of grace and the goodness of God. If you would get a glimpse of that, that's why I said we need not explain God. We only need to give revelation. Are y'all getting that? I'm telling you, if you've grown up religious, your brain's going, eh, eh, eh. <clears throat> can we make some points? Isn't this good? Okay. Here's the first point. Grace enlivens you it enlivens you we have to wake up to grace be awakened because condemnation because of religion because of misunderstanding has made our lives about performance and you got to wake up this is not about performance but just can I ask you, how many have ever tried to perform for God? Three of you. The rest of you, 
your iniquity, your sin is lying. <laughs> no, no, but stick with it. Think about that. How, how did that work for you? Doesn't work, does it? So we wake up to the fact that grace is a free gift. Actually, I'm just going to say it this way. Grace is a person. He's Jesus. He is Jesus. Grace means this, that you receive all the benefits, all the favor, all the kindness of God, all of the goodness that God exerts on Jesus, he exerts on you. All the favor God exerted on Jesus, he exerts on you. Grace has to be awakened. That's why I'm preaching this series. That's why I read those sermon titles. Because some of you came to this church and you were awakened to a thing called grace and it changed everything. Hey, when I first found, found out about grace and the goodness of God, it changed me. That's why I'm preaching it today. I want it to change. It'll set you free. It will liberate you. So it enlivens you. Second thing grace does is grace empowers you. Grace empowers you. The more revelation that you get about grace, the more faith you can put in the goodness of God. Did you all hear that? The more you hear about grace, the more faith you can put in it. Did you all hear that? The more you hear about grace, the blessing, the goodness of God, the more faith you can put in it. Can I hit you with a truth? Then I'll get to the last point. Um, don't answer this out loud. But, but um, do you think you're more sin conscious or more grace conscious? Are you more mindful of your failure, of your can't do, won't do? Or are you more mindful of grace in its capacity? Are you more mindful of what you're not, or are you mind, more mindful of who you are because of grace? 1 John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit in context, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, a lot of us have learned something that's a little bit off. We have said something like this, the Holy Spirit will convict me when I sin. How many have ever said that? It's really not what Scripture says. Scripture says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of their sin. He will convict you of your righteousness and the enemy of his judgment. Did y'all get that? The Word of God will convict you of your errors and of your wrong. When we read it, hey, I got to adjust that. But did y'all hear what the Holy Spirit's job is? One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convince the world they need Jesus of their sin. And he's also convincing the enemy that there's a day of judgment on the enemy. But in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict you that you are who the Word says you are. You have what the Word says you have. You can do what the Word says you can do. He's, he, his role is to convict you that you are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus. That grace is your go-to. So grace will empower you. Lastly, grace will enable you. Isn't this good stuff? It's good stuff. Amen. It's life-changing. Absolutely. 
It's, it will enliven you. It will wake you up. It will empower you. How many just, when I read that scripture and I explained it to you, you felt empowered? Because God's for you. He's not against you. The Holy Spirit just wants to convince you that you and God are a majority. He's trying to remind you that you're forgiven. He's trying to remind you that you're justified. He's trying to remind you, and that empowers you when he reminds you what the word says about you. Did you notice that he's not out to remind you that, dude, you're a loser. You are a sinner. You are a worm. You might or might not make it. Lord, come quickly. His job is to empower you. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, you're not beneath. You're too blessed to be stressed. You're the object of the favor of God. You're the target of the goodness of God. God is with you and will never leave you. I'm telling you, you should be more excited than what you look. And grace will enable you. Grace is always accessed via what? Faith. Every good thing from the Father, every gift from God is a gift of what? Grace. It's given. But it's only received by what? Faith. That's why the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing and hearing. That means the more you hear about things like grace, healing, blessing, the more you can put your faith in it. God is best understood by revelation, not explanation. You can explain God in a way that bores everybody, or you can give revelation that changes everything. God doesn't need me to try to explain him. He just needs me to open up and repeat what he said about you. Corinthians says something like this. Um, every promise from God is maybe and sometimes. What's it say? That's right. Yes and amen. Sorry. It's yes and amen. In other words, what God said yes to, stamp your amen to it. If God calls you blessed, put your amen to it. I don't feel blessed. He didn't ask you what you felt like. God said, I'm an overcomer. I don't feel like I'm overcoming right now. Well, put your amen. Amen. You know what amen means? So be it. God says you're delivered and you're free. Well, so be it. God says you're blessed. Well, so be it. Well, I don't feel like it. He didn't ask you if you felt like it. He did not ask you if you felt like it. He said, believe it. He didn't say, well, you know, if it works out in your feelings and your own theology. No. He said, that's true. If you believe it, it'll set you free. Now listen to this. I wrote this down this way. Faith in his grace is what convinces you. Um, it's what qualifies you. Did y'all get that? It's what qualifies you. Um, things you've done have not qualified you. Things you've thought have not qualified you. Things you've said have not qualified you. But they haven't disqualified you because of the grace of God, because of the greatness of God, his saving grace, his saving grace. There's nobody in this room watching or will watch that you are too far, too lost, too sinful, too messed up for the grace of God. 
not to rescue you, redeem you, and qualify you. You say, what do you mean qualify? Well, qualify you to be who God says you are. Can I just redeem, uh, 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 let you know who you are? Um, if you are reborn, you're redeemed. He purchased you. You're redeemed. Um, you're alive to God. Well, you used to be dead to God. You're alive to God. If you're alive to God, you're alive to the Word. If you're alive to the Word, you're, you're alive to every promise in that Bible working for you. Listen, if, if you're reborn, you, you are you're righteous. And if you're reborn, you are greatly loved. And if you're reborn, you are highly favored by God. You're qualified to be who the Word says you are. You're also qualified to have everything he says you can have. You say, well, what, what, what is that? Well, Ephesians 1, we were in 2 today. You can go home and read 1. Every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. It's yours. And you, you're qualified to do everything God says you can do. That's why Paul wrote it this way. I, I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. I can do all things. Whatever I'm walking through with Christ's power, his grace. Grace is powerful. It's what saved you. It's what put Jesus, took Jesus to the cross. It's what took Jesus to the grave. It's what brought Jesus out of the grave. It's what ascended Jesus to the throne, the grace of God. I, I want to take this to the next level next week and talk about how grace didn't just save you, but man, it's sufficient for everything. But his grace can save the worst and keep a hold of the worst. The grip of Jesus, Jesus' grace, is strong enough that he will deliver the goods to his Father. Jesus said this at the final few days of his life. He said, Father, the ones you gave me, I didn't lose any of them. If he didn't lose those 12 guys, he ain't going to lose you. He ain't going to let you lose you either. You might as well just rest in grace. You might as well just celebrate some grace. You might as well just be excited about the grace of God. Anyone grateful for the grace of God? Can we stand? You know what the message of grace is? It's actually the message of the gospel. It's the message of the gospel. The word gospel actually means, you ready for this? It actually means this sounds too good to be true. It's what the word gospel really means. It sounds too good to be true. Well, how many know what I preached to you today? It sounds too good to be true. We live in a skeptical age, in a skeptical world, and rightfully so, but you don't have to be a skeptic of the gospel.
He is the gospel. He is grace. It's truth. Truth set you free. Amen? Amen. Are you glad that you understand the gospel of grace? How many were ever in a religious setting? Yeah. Didn't grace liberate you? Didn't it liberate you? The goodness of God. The greatness, the saving grace of God won't let you out of its grip. Will not let you out of its grip. You know where you're at today? You're in the grip of Jesus. He's going to deliver you to the Father. He's going to bring you across the finish line. He's going to to bring you across well done. He's going to bring you across victor. He's going to bring you to the Father. This was them, but I've had them in my grip. They're different than how I found them. It's the saving grace of Jesus. It's the saving grace of God. Amen. Anyone glad you're in his grip this morning? So you say, well, I, I, don't, I didn't earn that. I didn't deserve it. I, I, that's unmerited. Well, that's the favor of God. That's the grace of God. That's the goodness of God. No matter what you ever do, you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't merit it. No matter how holy you get, how blessed you become, how much you endure, how patient you become, it's all undeserved, unearned. But we have a good father. We have a good, good father. Amen. Amen. So grace, you want to wake up to a little grace this morning? Amen. After that message, right? So it will enliven you. It will enable, it will empower you. You should be empowered this morning. You should be empowered this morning. If he redeemed you from what you were, where you were and who you were, then he's changed everything. That's why now you're who he says you are. You have what he says you have. You do what he says you can do. Why? Because of the saving grace. Some of you have felt like you've gotten out of his grip. I just want to remind you this morning, he's never let go. Sometimes your heart and your mind can mess with you and tell you some things. But if it's not what the word says, your, your mind's telling you some things. And your heart's telling you some things that the word never told you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Some of you right now need to be reminded that you're in the grip of God's grace. Your thoughts, your failures, your iniquity, your sin, your transgressions, your, your errors can't take you out, haven't taken you out. You're still in the grip of grace. You are still, but you, Pastor, and you don't know what I did. You know, well, sometimes we think, well, it wasn't too bad what I thought or too bad what I did. Doesn't matter if it was too bad or not too bad. You're still in the grip of his grace. Still in the, you need revelation and you're in the grip of grace. As long as you're in the grip of grace, grace is working for you. If, If you choose to think the opposite, If you choose to focus on your failure, if you choose to focus on your lack, then guess what you're doing? You're invalidating grace. You are frustrating grace. Just stay over here in grace. God says you're forgiven. God says you're delivered. God says you're free. God says you're justified. God says second chance. God says third chance. God says I'm for you, I'm not against you. Stay in that place. You won't frustrate grace. Listen, 
Some of us think, well, if we, you know, I should be getting stronger and I don't need to rely on that. You need to rely on the same grace to make it today that saved you 20 years ago. Because as long as you're doing that, you are not frustrating the grace of God. You're not nullifying the grace of God. You keep relying on the grace of God. The saving grace of Jesus. The empowering grace of the, of the power of Jesus. It's going to enable you to live victoriously. The grace will. Not how good you've gotten. Not how long you've been doing this. Not how dignified you are. How good he is. Can we pray? Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for every word in your word that means so much to us. Father, I pray all across this room. God, there are people, Lord, I know they've frustrated the grace in their life. They've, they've even nullified it at times because they've relied on their performance. They've relied on their goodness. They've relied on their, their, their understanding. God, we repent of that. We just want to lean in the grace, stay in grace, rely on grace. We want to put our faith in grace. Everyone that's struggled, Lord, since they've been a believer, I pray right now, God, revelation would set them free. And before we change what we're doing, I'm the only one looking around. Just, just be respectful. If you say, Pastor, and I, I've, I'm not saved. I'm not reborn. So I know I'm just, I'm still sinful. I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want, to, I want to receive that grace. I want that grace to work in my life. I want to make sure I get every good thing God has for me. And I want to make sure heaven is a part of that. If you say, Pastor, and I want to give Jesus my heart right here, right now. Would you just wave at me across the room? Just wave at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I told you grace will save you. It'll liberate you. It'll set you free. It'll get you healed. It'll get you blessed. Anybody else this morning? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can we all pray this prayer together? Lord Jesus, I admit I have failed. I have sinned. I've been good at it. But right here, right now, I believe that Jesus... You came, you died for me, you resurrected, you came out of the grave, you're at the throne, and I choose to confess out loud that you're my Lord, you're my Savior, thank you for your grace, for saving me right here, right now, for rescuing me, I believe in you, I declare you're the Lord of my life. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the LifePoint Podcast. We want to encourage you to subscribe and follow so you don't miss a message. For more information, you can visit lpcwv.com.